Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. Um, Today, we're going to read through the passage. Um, It's a story about some people on the road to Emmaus. You may be familiar with it, but I'm going to have Summer read it for us. I'm going to ask different people, different weeks, to read the passage for us. And so I'm just going to pass off the mic. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were, not, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named, named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what, and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearing evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Beautiful. This is one of those really cool stories where you begin to see a glimpse into conversations with Jesus between the disciples, between people um, wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that's where all of us are at. We talked about this last week about how doubt creeps in during the week. Um, Maybe this whole Jesus thing is something new to you, um, but we, we go on a journey, right? And so I want to talk about this passage by just basically going through kind of a little bit, not every single 
verse by verse, but some of the highlights that happen here that really, I think, point to what it looks like to journey with Christ. Um, This place, Emmaus, um, the Hebrew name is Hamat, which translates to hot spring. And um, as I began to think about this, one of the common things that you see in Scripture is that directions and locations a lot of times have a spiritual element to it. The, the direction these people were walking was away from Jerusalem. And in Scripture, a lot of times when you're walking away from places of God, there's also like a, a metaphor, a spiritual metaphor for walking away and maybe some confusion, maybe like we don't know what we're doing. Maybe they're going back to kind of the old ways. Um, we don't have all the details, but we do know that the place was considered a hot spring, which I love hot springs. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but um, up in Mammoth, there's some amazing hot springs. And um, there's something good about a hot spring. There's something life-giving generally about hot springs. People gravitate towards them. And as I think about that metaphor, I was just thinking of how maybe they were going back to something. Maybe the, the writer Luke was trying to hint at something where they were like, oh, maybe we're going to go back to something that we like, we enjoy, something tangible that we know that is good. Um, the spring was also considered... Uh, the spring of salvation, which is another way of saying uh, like a deeper element to this metaphor of like maybe they're going for salvation and something else. But then you see this conversation unfold that there's something going on here between Jesus, who is mysterious to them. They just think he's just a stranger walking up. Um, and, uh, and this conversation just unfolds, and it's pretty cool. But the passage I think has this very literal journey that takes place to Emmaus, but then also a spiritual journey, right? You see a journey where they are beginning to realize something about who Jesus is on a deeper level because of this journey that Jesus takes them on, this, this little walk. So um, my encouragement would be to think about your journey as we talk about their journey and the conversation that Jesus has with them. Uh, Jesus appears to them post-resurrection as proof that he has power over death. That what God is doing through Jesus is demonstrated through him. And he reveals himself to a few people. But this conversation is interesting because he doesn't do it immediately. There seems to be a process that happens. And this is what I talked about last week, that there's a process that happens in our faith, right? That none of us immediately arrive. And we never arrive even once we do begin to think that we understand who Jesus is, that we have salvation in it. But there's a sanctification process. There's a process of journeying with Jesus, walking along the road of life and learning more and more about what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to have a discussion with Jesus about um, all of life? And and we'll get into some of that. Um, But what we see here is that Jesus reveals himself intentionally at the right time and we see that what Jesus does is walks alongside them in the midst of their wrestling, right? Their confusion. Just comes up and starts, it just says he came up and the stranger walks up and just appears next to them and starts a, having a conversation. I like that analogy because I believe that's what I see in Scripture about how God approaches us continually. Like, God is never just forcefully coming in and 
knocking down doors, but comes in in a conversation, comes in along the road, along the journey, and begins to unpack it, um, which brings some good questions, because the first thing we see here is uh, this word fools, right? So in that conversation, Jesus calls him a fool, and you might be like, well, isn't that kind of condescending to be like, hey, you guys don't know what you're talking about, you guys are idiots, like, What's wrong with you, you know? But the, as I started to research it and study it a bit more, this word fool has more to do with a spiritual understanding than it does stupidity, okay? So when we look at the terms here that we see in the different translations, um, the, the original word had everything to do with an understanding of spiritual things that are going on. So he basically is saying, like, you don't quite understand everything that's happening spiritually here, because it is crazy, right? Like this whole idea of him coming back from the dead three days later, he talked about it, he taught about it, but I'm sure, just like us, it would be very confusing. It would be very, it would just be like, I, this doesn't happen normally, you know? Like this is not the way things go down. Kings, God, gods in that culture had power, displayed that kind of power, and this God comes humbly and is killed and thrown on a cross where criminals go, right? So this whole thing must have been very, very confusing. And what we see Jesus do is comes along and just says, I understand that like you've limited understanding spiritually of what's going on here. Let me, let me unpack this a little bit more for you and begins to walk alongside him in conversation. And, and I really... I don't know, I just really thought about that for a while, thinking about like how we engage in these conversations with God, because um, some people will say, like, God doesn't talk to me, but I would push back on that, and let me explain kind of why, and here's how I see it in my own life playing out. Um, there's not an auditory, like, this is God speaking kind of thing, you know, but I believe that there is conversations that happen regularly, if not daily if not moment by moment, that God is engaging us in, if we are willing to engage in that conversation. Um, I'll give you an example. So uh, real life this week, actually it happens almost every week. So um, I, I'm bivocational, and one of the things I do is I, I, I'm a carpenter and I build spear guns, and it's very niche, random market world. But, um, and as part of that business that I do is social media. So I have to post and engage online with people. And it's kind of one of the cringiest things for me to do because it's like self-promotion. And it's just weird. But if you don't do it, you don't engage with people. And what I love about this, that job and that world is that I get to engage with people that I would never come in contact with. And so I love that. And so I do these things like social media that are dragged to me that... I don't know, I, I just don't like it. It's just the whole environment is weird. But, um, but so I do it, and every time I do a post, I recognize that there is room for the heckler. You guys know about the heckler? That's in the back of the room, that's always just like, lame, you know, like just whatever you do, lame, you know? And, um, and so every time I post, I think of that person. I don't know why I shouldn't. I should think of all the positive people that are like, hey, that's great. I've, I wanted to learn about that. That's more information. And I had one this week that, of course, I posted it. And there's a guy, lame, stupid. Like, you really do that? You know, like, come on. And it's like, it just gets annoying. And so, so I don't post a lot of times, which is kind of lame. But, um, 
But I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? Like, there's always somebody that needs attention that wants to like jab at something and put somebody else down because it makes them somehow feel better about whatever they're doing. I don't know. There's an insecurity or something that just, and it's always men. Like, it's never women. I don't know what the deal is. Like, it's always men that are, like, out there just like, you're an idiot, bro. Like, and I just, it gets tiring. It's, I'm kind of over it. But I share that only because I know there's always going to be pushback. Anytime you're in business or you're doing something, somebody's going to push back and say, lame, you know, um, or disagree with your opinion or whatever it is. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm kind of learning to, to settle on that. But here's the interesting part. As soon as I get that person's comment that I'm like, this is a public comment. You just smashed me public in, publicly in front of everybody else. Instantly, like, it's like, I want to fight back, right? <laughs> Instantly, I'm like, text, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop something real cool that'll be like a jab back at them, you know? And, and I watch, like, how God begins to engage in a conversation with me in that moment. Because that's kind of like, for me, that's kind of the most, which is kind of lame, it's like the challenging stuff we face, but it's like, it's the area where I think our ego is checked, right? It's the area where we begin to really see, like, do I care about what this guy thinks about me right now? Like, do I care way too much? I don't know. Um, But then there's this conversation with God that I think that I'm pretty confident is God speaking and going like, well, how, how should you treat this person, right? And we've been dropping this phrase where um, we give everything and everyone to God, right? That every interaction, every human being that we encounter, we give it to God. And I'm like, okay. So I see God having a conversation with me there. And um, sometimes I got to run it by Katie. Like, what should I say? You know, (laughs) because what I'm going to say isn't good. Um, Or I run it by Jason or somebody else. You know, I'm just like, what what do you do? How do you respond in these ways? And, um, And it generally, I come back to like a loving response of like, great keep charging, keep going life, like, you do you, bro, (laughs) you know, like, something that's generous, kind, loving in some way, or just ignore it, Um, and, um, but I, the reason I share that is only because many of you probably experienced some sort of pushback, or some sort of hate, or some sort of challenge during the week, where you have an opportunity for a conversation with God, right, you have that moment where, if it's with a neighbor that's doing something ridiculous, or you're the person that's doing something ridiculous to your neighbor, I don't know, um, but you have that moment where you're like kind of put in check and you're like, should I think about this more? Should I think about my actions a little bit more? I think those are the conversations that God has with us. It's not a lightning bolt. It's not God coming in like, you just did wrong. You know, like it's God subtly coming in those conversations in your thought life throughout the week and going, well, how should you treat this person that's wronging you right now? How should you interact with your children? That's a challenging one for me sometimes, you know, like how do you, how do you begin to show generosity, patience, love, kindness, grace in all of these moments? And I think that's what Jesus is doing here on the road to Emmaus with these Jesus followers. <laughs> they just don't know it yet, right? They're in that process. They're in that journey of having a conversation and learning a little bit more about what took place because they obviously were blown away by what took place, but they were confused by it. And then they're learning a little bit more about it, and they're learning a little bit more, and then more happens as you begin to have that conversation. And so I just share that because I think conversations are very important. I think they're very crucial to our growth, um, and whether it's our internal conversation with the Holy Spirit and what God's doing, or if it's with other people, um, because 
that is where we begin to grow. That's where we begin to confront those little moments of, oh, my ego's just rising up right now, and I just want to get even, right? So um, I think that's a, that's a beautiful place for those conversations to unfold. And what, throughout Scripture, we see these conversations continually. Um, and I love that Scripture is honest about these conversations because there are certain parts of life that aren't easy, like I just shared, um, that, that make that conversation with God challenging, right? And um, in the Psalms, you see a lot of that, and I want to share one of them. There's an artist that I follow that I encourage you to follow if you need some weekly encouragement. Psalm prayers, if you want to look them up right now, you're welcome to do that. It's okay to take your phone out in church. Um, but he has this beautiful art that I believe um, always has just like a, an inspiring way of articulating scripture for me or articulating a thought or a concept in relationship to God in a beautiful way. And so, um, yeah, I would just encourage you right now, read this, this little piece right here. It comes out of Psalm 77. And when I saw this, there's a couple things that stood out to me. I meditate. And at night, generally, I don't know if you guys are like this, but when you lay down and head hits the pillow, you start thinking. <laughs> you start thinking about all the things that happened, the person that just dropped that text bomb or that comment on your social media or whatever and did something rude or something you said or something you did. Um, but it says, I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. And I like that one because I think that that's what we need to be doing as believers, as we journey with Jesus, we meditate on what's happening. We meditate on those moments where we either, you know, messed up or came up short in some way or want to live life differently. Um, we got to meditate on these things, and then our spirit needs to ponder these things because I think Jesus wants to speak truth into those. And these conversations you see throughout Scripture like, if you read all of Psalm 77, which I would encourage you to do this week, it's not very long. Um, it'll take you, like, a minute to read. But you see a wrestling that happens. In the beginning of it, he's like, is God even real? Does he exist? You know, is, is, is all of this that I'm wrestling with, is, it, is he even listening kind of a thing? And then he ends going, yeah, you know what? As I ponder it, as I sit with it, and as I meditate, he's here. Like, God is with me. He's near and he's journeying with me in this process. That's me simplifying it, but I encourage you. Psalm 77 is beautiful, easy to remember. Um, but that meditation process, that pondering, there's something really beautiful about that that I think centers us back onto what's important. And I think that conversation is what is happening here on the road to Emmaus with Jesus and these disciples. And it goes even further because they sit and they have a meal together, right? They sit down and Jesus breaks the bread and takes out the cup. And suddenly their eyes were opened. That there was something about communion. There was something about that practice that Jesus taught them to do in remembrance of him. It's a reminder, remember? So he's like, when they sat down and did this, it reminded them. It took them back to an understanding of like, God is here to do this new thing where he's redeeming life, where he's doing something that we don't fully understand. I don't fully understand the bread and the cup and all that goes into that, but when I do it, I'm reminded of that relationship with God, that God is with us, that he is near, and that he's inviting us into this, this way of life, of sacrifice, 
of love. Um, and so I would just encourage you, think about the conversations. Think about this conversation that Jesus has with these disciples and what that begins to do to unfold really what that looks like to journey with him. And um, I want to ask you to kind of unpack this a little bit more. Um, what kind of conversations do you really enjoy? Okay, I'm going to give you a second here to talk about it, but um, as we have conversations with people in the same way that Jesus had conversations with his disciples, the, um, there's something really mysterious that happens in a dialogue, right? When you sit down with somebody over a meal like we're going to do next week, there's something really beautiful that can happen, and there's a weird dynamic of like, if I'm having a bad day, I could fully ignore you, and the conversation can go nowhere. Or two people can be very engaged in what's happening and go, you know, like, I want to ask about your day, and you're asking me about my day, and it's somehow like, there's just something really beautiful that happens as you begin to have conversations that weave together, and you learn something, and you're encouraged, inspired, and conversations are, they're interesting when you really start to think about it, right? Um, and how it works, um, especially when you start to have conversations with kids, like it's like <laughs> drawing things out of them, you know? Um, but beautiful stuff happens in that. And so I want to say like, what makes a really good convo in your, in, in your experience? Like from your experience, like what's a good conversation? What makes a good conversation in your opinion? Like turn to somebody right next to you and just point out one or two things. Go for it. And then we'll, we'll shout them out. All right, 10 seconds. <laughs> you know what makes a good conversation? No time limit. That's good. All right, shout out a few of them, and I'll, I'll repeat them so people can hear online, too. No awkward pauses? Yeah, just continue on. <laughs> what else? What makes a really good conversation? Say it again. Equal amounts of talk time. Yeah, exactly. Having that, that space to, to open up and talk. Anything else? Any stand-ups? Follow-up questions. Follow questions. Yeah. I think the hallmark of a good conversation is that you learn something. Yeah, you learn something new, right? That is good. Nice. Any others? <laughs> All right. Um, a good coffee. Good coffee <laughs> makes for good conversations. Yeah. Um, some people would argue some other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of coffee you got back there? Clean water coffee. Uh, making a difference. One cup at a time. Um, I love it. No, conversations are, they're just so, it's intriguing how it goes down and, and how sometimes they can be so fruitful and other times just dead end, right? Um, and it's not right or wrong. I'm just, it's just an interesting to think about as we think about how Jesus even engages us in conversation on a daily basis. Uh, that there's an open dialogue that happens. Uh, and I think when, when we are authentic 
in a conversation, and we're not trying to have any kind of pretense. Where we're like, oh, I need to bring my opinions and my stuff to the table in this conversation. No one ever gets a talk, right? But if there's a give and a take, there's something beautiful that happens there. I like that Jesus, there's a process of revealing himself to him, that they didn't know who he was for a while, and then they're like, oh, okay, right? And then they're super excited, and they walk away from this conversation, this interaction, running back to where? Jerusalem. To tell the other disciples and to tell everybody else, he's right, you know? It's true, it's what it says. It's true. That's what they were excited about. And so the conversation transformed them in a way that, that revealed life, that revealed who Jesus was. And that's something I really like about that. I can't totally put my finger on it, but I think that there's something good about really just engaging honestly in conversation, recognizing that Jesus wants to transform life. And that requires us being in that conversation. Uh, later on, we don't have time to read this, but uh, another one of the passages from the lectionary is that, that's connected to this one is Peter gives a, a, a sermon, basically, um, talking about Jesus, talking about who he is, what he had done. And it says that in the end of that, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. 3,000 people. That conversation... Jesus teaching about things that people had already seen in Jesus because those people had been in those cities, seen and probably heard the murmurings of like, there's this guy, this Messiah, Jesus doing crazy stuff, all the stories of healings, what he'd done on the cross. That would not have been like a quiet thing. That would have been big. That would have been a talk of the town, right? And 3,000 people responded because of that conversation because Peter was willing to just to bring out that truth and talk about uh, what he'd experienced. And so again, another way that a conversation transformed people's lives. And, uh, and it's just, there's, there's something about it that is mysterious in the way that God works, in the way that God uses conversations, in the way that God uses his word to speak to people um, that, is, that is just beautiful. But again, it's not Jesus breaking down doors. It's him engaging in a conversation saying, Someone just wronged you. How are you going to handle it? Someone just really trashed your name in some way. And what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to this? And, uh, and it leaves us in this place of choosing what truly brings life versus what will eat us alive. If we continue to live for anything other than this conversation with Jesus, um, I believe we miss out on, on real life. And that's why I want to show you this, this pastor, Peter, who gives that sermon, who talks about that. He says this in a letter, uh, 1 Peter, in chapter 1. He says, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, by listening and being in this conversation, so that you have a genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. So because you've engaged with Jesus and you've had this conversation, now we go out and we begin to love people and we love each other because of that conversation that's happening. He says, You have been born anew, not of perishable but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God, that through conversations, through the way that God interacts with us, if we allow him to be in this conversation, we can, we can make it a one-way conversation and be like, I don't want to hear what you have to say about this right now. Or we can engage, and he says, this is what begins to happen. You experience life. You begin to have this life that where you begin to be so deeply rooted in it that you start to love people 
in these ways. Um, and then the last passage I want to read is in John 10, um, 28 to 30. So it says, um, just as a reminder of like Jesus' intentions in these conversations and what he's trying to do, he says, I give them a life that is unceasing and death will not have the last word. Nothing or no one can steal them from my hand. Nothing. My Father has given the flock to me, and he is superior to all, thing, all beings and all things. So everyone and everything. God is superior to all of that. He says, no one is powerful enough to snatch the flock from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. And the reason I read that is because the life that Jesus promises, he says, is unceasing, and nothing will pull you away from that. So if I'm honest, sometimes those conversations that I have lead to like, ah, just, I'm horrible, I can't do this. What Jesus says is no, like don't give up. Do not buy into what Satan wants to tell you about who you are and your worth, your value, and how you should love people. Choosing the road of love, of surrender, of sacrifice, it's difficult, but he says, it's going to be very beautiful because none of that can be stolen, like we'll steal you away. None of that can happen because I'm with you. And so that's why I want to take communion because what happened is these guys on, Emmaus, on this road to Emmaus had a conversation and then had communion and were reminded that that conversation brings life. They were reminded of how real and true this all is. That it's not some fairy tale that Jesus was coming up with. That this is like real, true, tangible stuff that now you can live out. And uh, communion reminds us of that. And so we take it often to continually remind ourselves of that because we forget and we sometimes think that the world or people um, are something we have to live for. And, and that just is a dead end road. It doesn't lead anywhere to life. And, uh, and so I want to throw a couple questions on the screen and just um, I'm going to invite the uh, worship band to come up and we're just going to take some time just as you feel, come grab it. But as you take communion, read through these questions that I think might help engage in that conversation, that talk that we're having with God. And I would just say these are online. They're on the, the digital bulletin that we put out. And uh, if you need to engage in that during this week, begin to think about it. As you take communion, think, what, is, what are the areas where maybe I'm not having a conversation with God? The areas where maybe I'm just avoiding it. And so um, let me pray over it and then just come as you want. The kids are going to come in, so it might get a little noisy here in a bit, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, and, and then we're just going to close out with a song. So let me just pray, uh, I guess, a, a prayer inviting God into the conversation. He's already there. He's already like appeared next to us on this road, um, but recognizing that. And so, Lord, thank you that you come and walk alongside us um, and you invite us into this conversation. You'll challenge us uh, of where our spiritual understandings are at, and which, which can be convicting at times. But Lord, thank you that you journey with us and that you, you reveal yourself in, in the right time. And uh, you continually teach us and develop us in what it means to be your disciples, to be loving, to be generous, to be kind, to be thoughtful when it comes to the conversations that we engage in with others. 
and not just with you, God. Um, So go before us. May we be reminded um, that as we take this bread, as we dip it in the cup, that you long relationship with us in a beautiful way. So thank you for this reminder, and we pray this in your name. Amen.